You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat Podcast, where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to Break a Bat, where baseball meets Broadway. I'm your host, Al Malafronte, coming at you for the Broadway Podcast Network. Uh, Tonight, we're joined by someone who actually made their Broadway debut at 13 when she played Jane Banks and Mary Poppins. Uh, She's also appeared on screen in ABC's What Would You Do? And at the time COVID hit, she was in the heart of a very impressive run in which she starred as Princess Anya in the first national tour of Anastasia. Uh, In addition to this, she's also a New Yorker and grew up a quick metro north away from Yankee Stadium in her hometown of Ossining. Uh, So we always love when we get to welcome folks to the show who not only can sing a mean show tune, but also love our New York Yankees. Uh, so with that being said, if you'll please turn your attention to home plate, just be on the marquee. Now batting, Lila Coogan. Lila, welcome. Thanks for having me. Such a pleasure. And uh, now I understand you're, you're recording from your childhood home right now in Westchester. I am. I am back home with mom and dad. Now, I'm a little surprised because I know you're a part of two very passionate sports fan bases because I know you're a Yankee fan, but you're also a Syracuse graduate. If you have to pick one, Yankees are the orange, and why isn't there any, like, Yankee swag or, you know, orange swag up on the wall? Uh, not a big swag person. I have a lot of, like, baseball caps. Um but I have I, – I, if I had to pick, I would say Syracuse just because, like – I actually went there. Like, I feel like I was like a part of that. Whereas like, I grew up a Yankees fan, but like, I don't know. So your college alma mater, it definitely was like more important to me. (laughs) (laughs) They never asked you to try out to play shortstop or, you know, no scouts were looking at you, you know, to play for the Yankees. No, I actually played T-ball for a very long time. That's as far as I went. And, uh, I used to get made fun of because I would pick dandelions in the field instead of paying attention to what was going on in the game. So <laughs> not the best at baseball, clearly. You know what that sounds like? Did you watch Peanuts as a kid or read the comics? I did watch Peanuts, like the Christmas specials. Yeah, I feel like Charlie Brown used to lose his mind on Lucy because she used to do that in the outfield and she would always miss you know, the fly balls that he would give up. Sounds like all of my t-ball teammates i literally was nicknamed dandelion picker till like fifth grade so <laughs> <laughs> oh no no uh, did you catch a lot of games growing up you know i know that you grew up uh, you know not too far from the city and you have that yankee allegiance would you make your way to the uh, old stadium and the new stadium a bit oh my god all the time so my dad's huge 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 on baseball so that's usually what we do for father's day and honestly there's nothing quite as fun as like going to a baseball game and getting some food and watching. And that's actually what I ended up doing for my birthday last year. So, um, I love baseball games and just not the best at it. And like, don't know anything about how it works. (laughs) Now I see, you know, from time to time you're rocking that New York Yankees cap. Does that give you extra street cred in the Broadway community? No, No. they don't care. They don't care. (laughs) I wear my Yankee cap a lot, though. 
So now, you know, being a girl who grew up early 2000s, were you team Jeter or team A-Rod? Jeter, definitely Jeter. Um, yeah, their like, Jeter's the best, so. Like, what do you make of this whole, like, this new J-Lo version of A-Rod? I, have you seen, like, what they've been up to on social media? Uh, I'm not the biggest, like, Jennifer Lopez. I mean, I like Jennifer Lopez, but I don't, like, follow her. I She did come to my town once. That was pretty cool. Um, with Drake, of all people. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so I haven't really seen. I mean, they seem really happy. I'm happy for them. He's changed a lot, but it's actually provided some pretty, uh, pretty interesting content. Uh, mm. And it's funny you mentioned you, you must be a pretty big music fan, right? Uh, yeah, I, I like music a lot. So, I mean, for us, for example, you know, you and I grew up in New York, and I debate with a lot of my friends a lot who are pretty big football fans. Some even bigger football fans than baseball fans. And for me, even living in Manhattan, just trying to get to MetLife Stadium, very much a chore. Uh, have you ever seen a concert there? No, I've oddly never seen a concert there. Um, but I've, I've gone many times and it's always a hassle. So, yeah, I agree. And for some reason it bothers me more, like, you know, I'm a sports guy and a music guy, but like, it annoys me when I'm, you know, if I have to go see the jets or giants there and, you know, that whole transfer, it's a caucus station, but firstly, I really enjoy the concerts there and it doesn't seem to bother me as much. So I don't know if you feel, <laughs> I, I was going to ask if you felt the same way. No, I've oddly only been to like three concerts in my entire life. Um, and none of them have been at MetLife stadium. So. <laughs> were there Lila Coogan concerts, you know, for the kids <laughs> in Westchester, you know, being the child star that you were? No, God, no, no, <laughs> definitely not. No one was coming to my concerts when I was younger. <laughs> That's for sure. Were you performing in front of the family a lot? Like, how'd you get so, uh, how'd you get so into the theater scene at such a young age? I did, um, a lot of community theater and, uh, the woman who ran the community theater was like, you should do this for real. Like you should go get an agent and whatever. So she kind of like hooked me up with all those people. And then from then on, I just kind of like never stopped. Uh, but I didn't, I don't know. I don't know if I ever really performed in front of my family or anything like that. I think I kind of just like chanced going to an audition for community theater and just ended up falling into it. So and there's like no one in my family that's a performer or there was none. And now there are tons, which I think is so funny, but I kind of like set that trend. It wasn't really there before. Were you catching a lot of shows growing up, you know, growing up fairly close to the city? Yeah, my family always did like kids night on Broadway. We would like take turns who got to go. So, um, cause I have two brothers. And so we would like alternate every year who got to go to the Broadway show. So I saw a fair amount, um, growing up, which is great. Which is the one that got you hooked. So it's funny. My brother was actually supposed to see this one and then got really bad food poisoning. So then I got to go in his place and it's wicked. <laughs> so, and we saw like the original company and previews and all these things and, so if Colin hadn't gotten sick, I would have wouldn't have gone. And so I feel like super, honestly blessed that that happened. Um, sorry, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Now, when you yourself, you know, started to do these auditions and whatnot, once you had an agent, uh, tell me a little bit about the process, you know, as far as how you got cast in Mary Poppins and what's it like being a child star on Broadway? Oh, Mary Poppins. Um, that was interesting because I actually went in three different times for it. So the first time I went in, I was too short. And so they're like, you need to come back when you grow a little bit. And I was like, understood. So then I came back when I had grown and they thought they were only going to need one girl. So they cast the first girl that they had wanted. And then um, it turned out that they needed two, but I was in, on vacation. And so I couldn't go to the second round of final callbacks to be the next replacement. So I didn't get the job then, but then like the third time around, they were kind of just like, just come to final callbacks job is yours. So, um, that was great. Uh, it was a very interesting process because like when you're with so many kids, it was a lot of like, kind of like more acting exercises versus going in with your material and like showing them what you brought to the table. It was very much so they would do like exercises with us and teach us the scene and have us run it with them. And then from there decide who they wanted to cast and they would mix and match us with Michael's. And so, yeah, it was, it was actually a lot of fun. It felt like class more so than like an audition. Would you like pack up your school bag, like, you know, on a weekday and then like head straight to the city to do the show where you're out from school, like, you know, on those Wednesday matinees, like what's that, what's that side of it like? So, yeah, it was like my freshman year of high school. And so I was like adjusting to like a new school and a new kind of like curriculum because it was a lot more intense um, and also more independent. And um, I would get yanked out of school every Wednesday. Um, and sometimes my parents would let me take like morning classes off. So the way my school arranged it was I would have all like my extracurriculars in the morning. So it wasn't necessarily like imperative that I'd be there. And the teachers all knew like, Oh, she sometimes doesn't get home till three because of traffic. So six o'clock in the morning is probably not going to work for her. Um, and I was really lucky. I had a lot of teachers that were very accommodating, a lot of like self-homework and self-teaching. And then I would go to them when I had questions. So I felt very, very blessed that I had a, a lot of teachers that were willing to accommodate that crazy schedule. That must've been amazing. And I think it's so cool how you, you know, broke into the business at such a young age and, you know, you've accomplished quite a bit since. Um, I know you haven't gotten to perform these past few months and I know that has to be very difficult for someone like yourself. And I'm sure there's plenty of folks listening at home who are patiently waiting for live theater to come back. And when it does, I want to make sure that we can cite your Break a Bad episode as an example of how you've been able to stay on your game. And you know, while I'm not going to ask you to sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game, uh, we do a little segment here called Seventh Inning Stretch, uh, where you not only get to stay on your game, but you also have the opportunity to win a little prize. Oh, <laughs> this is exciting. Yeah, like maybe like a little early birthday gift of sorts, but you got to earn it because really only the elite, elite all-stars in the baseball and Broadway communities like <laughs> enter what we call the winner's circle. This is not going to be me, but I'm going to try my best. <laughs> so you're going to probably fall more. You think that you're going to be more of an Al Dukes than a Johnny Damon or Kate Rockwell? Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> this is not good. Al Dukes is someone who like could not get a trivia question right, and he produces a sports talk radio show. So and he's a friend of mine, so I can make fun of him. See, this is this is why I'm saying this is probably not going to go well for me because I don't know anything. So, well, here's how it works. 
I'll ask you some trivia questions, half baseball, half Broadway. Okay. And you get enough right, you win the prize, and you join the winner's circle. And I you know, I think that that's a pretty good way to go into your birthday. Yeah, me too. But if I go in a loser, it's okay as well. <laughs> <laughs> well let's see how you do. Okay. And, you know, I mentioned in the intro that, you know, you're part of the Anastasia franchise. Okay. And oh, God, is this an Anastasia question? Sort of, kind of, depending on how you look at it. Okay. Um, many great Broadway alums lent their vocal talents to the animated film Anastasia. Which of the following stars of that film has yet to appear on Broadway? Is it A, Kelsey Grammer, B, Hank Azaria, C, Angela Lansbury, or D, Kirsten Dunst? Jada the Frank or Kirsten Dunst? I'm. Oh no! Oh no! Um, I'm gonna say Kirsten Dunst. Ding, ding, ding! You're <laughs> one for one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is shocking. I'm loving wow. it. <laughs> You're doing a lot better than you thought you would. Yes, I am. <laughs> All right. How about this one? After the 1919 season, Babe Ruth was sold from the Boston Red Sox to the New York Yankees so the Red Sox owner could finance which Broadway show? Is it A, Kiss Me Kate? B, No No Nanette? C, The King and I? Or D, Chicago? You say A. No. All right, so you're one for two. A 500 batting average is still very good. The answer is B, no, no, then that. That was my second guess. Oh, well. <laughs> what are you going to do? All right, well, you know, remember, you still have a few more at-bats here. Typically in a nine-inning baseball game, you get four or five at-bats, depending on the score. Uh, you've done well for your team so far. Uh, so let's move on to question three. You know, we were talking about Mary Poppins before. How do you spell supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? Oh, it's and do S not Google it. No, I don't need to. It's S-U-P-E-R-C-A-L-I-F-R-A-G-I-L-I-S-T-I-C-E-X-P-I-A-L-I-D-O-C-I-O-U-S. That is very impressive that you didn't even have to like hesitate to sound it out. No, once you learn the song, you never forget it. It's very, very easy to remember once you learn the song. <laughs> very ingrained into your IQ. Yeah, plus with the body movements we had to learn, it's just like, yeah, it'll never leave me. It's like my, uh, it's my drinking trick. <laughs> it's like I can spell <laughs> that word. <laughs> do you do like a drinking game involving, you know, the songs in Mary Poppins? Because I would love to play. No, but we should. <laughs> Very down. Now let's see, uh, let's see how you do on the baseball again. Okay. Which of the following players is best known by their nickname, the Cuban Missile? Is it A, Derek Jeter, B, David Ortiz, C, Mark McGuire, or D, Rolta <laughs> <laughs> Chapman? <laughs> Your reaction to option C was very funny. <laughs> Definitely not Mark McGuire. Um, you don't know many Cubans with the last name McGuire? <laughs> no. <laughs> and I know a lot of Cubans, so um, 
what were the what was B and D? <laughs> B was David Ortiz, and D is Araldus Chapman. The Cuban Missile is the nickname, and you know David Ortiz is a future Hall of Famer, and it's so David is Araldus Chapman. I think it's David Ortiz. No, the answer is Araldus Chapman. Ah, oh, you kidding me? That was my second choice. Well, you know, you're in the Broadway community, so you might know him as Lemire or the Apex Predator. Um, he's actually also been known as Araldus Poppins before because we like to, you know, sometimes put him into different Broadway productions. So I can understand why you got confused. But um, this is uh, your two for four now. This 500 batting average is still very good, but unfortunately, to join the winner's circle, you're going to have to get this last one right. And oh, God. I really hope you can. I don't know. All right. Let's see. Which of the following major league teams were previously based out of New York City? Was oh, it a, the Dodgers? Well, okay. Well, you know what? You actually got part of that question right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read off a few okay. combos of teams because there was another team. Okay. The Dodgers went west with another team. Okay. Um, so I okay. want you to see if you could get this here. Okay. Sorry, I'm not going to interrupt anymore. Is it A, the San Diego Padres and the Los Angeles Dodgers? B, the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Francisco Giants? C, the Colorado Rockies and the San Francisco Giants? Or D, well, this doesn't really apply anymore because you already guessed one of the answers, the Boston Red Sox and the Miami Marlins. So it's the Dodgers and the, the Padres. The answer is the Dodgers and the Giants. Uh, I am very really? sorry. That's so crazy. You you can't have a base or a baseball team and a football team with the same name. Well, you know, according to some, you know, callers on local New York sports talk radio shows that like to call into Mike Francesa, they have asked if the New York Giants and San Francisco Giants get together for dinner when they're in town at the same time. But I know it can be very misleading because of that reason. That's really confusing. Lila, I'm so sorry you didn't join the winner circle, but I, you know, I appreciate was, you being a good sport. It was an effort. <laughs> you really got you me know. with all the baseball questions. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did. Even Babe Ruth, the Babe Ruth question was technically a crossover, but um, I feel mm. bad, especially since it's your birthday. Um, and I feel like you deserve a little something either way. And uh, I have my assistant, Chris Katzman, here, who has volunteered to go fetch your prize. So okay. go on, fetch the prize. So at least that way, you know, you, you feel like a winner. Yeah, even though I'm not. But, you know, participation <laughs> trophies are what I grew up with. So this is great. It feels like normal <laughs> winning for me. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. Well, let's let's see what uh, we got for you here to make you feel welcome to the baseball and uh, Broadway community here. Ooh. Wait, it's upside down. <laughs> I there love it. it. <laughs> welcome to the baseball and Broadway community with your very own uh, Chapman on Broadway, Break It Back podcast. Now you'll never forget that he is the Cuban Missile. You're getting in the way of my microphone. I love it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> awesome. Well, now Lila has a birthday gift, and thank you very Happy much. Birthday. My first birthday gift this year. Thank you. Wow. You'll never forget that. I will never forget it. How are you celebrating your birthday during COVID? Um. So my my older brother lives in Brooklyn, so we're going to go to him. 
and we're gonna get some really good Italian food and that's it. That's the birthday celebration. Well, that sounds pretty fun. Are you a big Italian food girl? Yes, I love Italian food. Now, when you're in the city, where do you go to spots? Mm, I haven't really been in the city in ages. So uh, I'm going to be really basic and say, like, I love Serafina. There's also, like, a really great place in Washington Heights called Saggio's. This is really good, like, when I lived there. Um, I just haven't been in, like, so long. So I don't know what's still there. <laughs> Now, I don't want to pull a cliche touristy spot, but I mean, since we're talking Italian food um, and it actually kind of applies to your career, I love John's across from the Broadhurst. That's one of my... I've never been there. Oh, it's fantastic. They got the high ceilings, but they they make a great pie, pretty good appetizers. Um, It's right actually right next to the St. James Theater. It's like not right in that like Schubert Alley area. And it's very good. Hmm, I've been to uh, Carmine's a lot. I really like Carmine's, actually. <laughs> it's like so so touristy as well. But um, yeah, <laughs> if you want like my local spots in Austin, I can tell you those. But they're not. Uh, <laughs> no one's gonna know what they are. So <laughs> I like I like the I like the family style spots, and you know I of course I'm the type of person that I always get my tickets to shows last minute type of thing. So mm-hmm. I've never like in a position to really go to Carmine's that much because you got to book a res so far in advance with John's. It's more, you know, you could hop online and, you know, make your reservation day up, but you can't go wrong with Carmine's. And, you know, obviously so good. the thing with John's is though, I mean, you've got some ties to the Broadhurst theater. And I know that uh, obviously I know that the whole Anastasia franchise is very, uh, it's filled with passionate fans. Um, and I know that uh, you actually have a pretty cool story about, um, I guess during it was it was during a curtain call. They sort of gave you a send off, so to speak. You know, as far as starting the tour uh, when you were playing Anya. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Oh yeah, that was so cool. So they called it my coronation um, and or my crowning, if you will. And they like they brought me backstage at the Broadhurst at the end of the show. So I'm like hanging out in Christie's dressing room, and like the end of the show is going on. So Christie wasn't there. She was a little bit busy <laughs> doing the show. Um, and then like John Fulton came to say hi to me. And, um, you know, uh, I think Mary Beth wasn't there that night. I don't believe, but, uh, like Zach came and said, hello, like all the people in the Broadway show. And that was really fun. And they were all like, we're just so excited to like have you here tonight. And it just felt really special. And I was with like Steven and Ed, my Dimitri and Vlad and Steven for him, it was kind of like, extra special because he started with the Broadway company and then joined our tour. So, and then we just got on stage and like Christy brought out this giant crown that didn't even fit. And it like fell over my head. (laughs) It was so big. Um, and it was cool. It was like, and then I got to take a bow at the Broadhurst, which, you know, like who wouldn't dream of getting to do that. And, uh, it was just a lot of fun. It was such a special night and I'm so dang it. Sorry. (laughs) My email went, but um, but yeah, Christy is so generous and loving and getting everyone together to celebrate like the start of our tour was so special. And, um, yeah, it's like one of those memories you'll never forget. Did you like tour life? <laughs> I loved touring and like being with the cast and the show. Those parts were great, but I'm such a homebody that I 
don't think I'm cut out to do it forever. There are some people who like can tour forever and I loved doing it for like the amount of time that I did, but I love like coming home to like my stuff and my bed and uh, you don't get to do that when you're on tour. So I liked it, but it's not definitely like, I'm not like a roadie at all. (laughs) Now I know you had done some TV work after college. Was the goal always to make it back this back to the stage and onto Broadway? Uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever really like seen myself in TV and film. Um, like I'd be happy to do it if it was offered to me and I'm, I'm not like in any way, shape or form objective to it, but I, I've always felt like at home in live theater. Um, and that's just where I've had the most success. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that was always ultimately where I thought I would end up. And I always like dreamed, especially of doing like a tour uh, before ever settling down into one spot. So I'm, I'm very happy that it worked out the way that it did. And what's it like being, you know, a leading lady in a production like that? Um, it's definitely so much fun and like a dream come true. It's also an immense amount of pressure and a lot of work. Um, so it was, this was like my first full-time job out of college that wasn't a survival job. Um, and so it it is kind of crazy. It's not very normal that like your first full-time job is headlining a national tour, um, and originating the role on the national tour. So I kind of had to learn really quickly, like how to take care of myself, how to conduct myself, how to, you know, maintain my voice eight times a week. And, you know, when you're meeting people every night, you can be really tired, but like, this is for them, like a life-changing experience. So you have to make sure that you are on your like most optimistic and like personable behavior. And, um, it just really taught me to like, not take anything for granted and, uh, that hard work pays off, but it's also hard work. So. Yeah, sure. Especially when you're being thrust into it like that. And I think it very much works the same way in baseball, because especially for you, you know, it's like the same thing when the Yankees go to Seattle or they go uh, to Colorado, all these cities, you know, with folks who, you know, are familiar with the franchise and familiar with the history of the franchise. Um, you know, uh, it was Joe DiMaggio who once had a saying, you know, there's always going to be someone in the audience who's going to be seeing me for that first time and they deserve my best. And, you know, especially when you're, you're representing something larger than yourself and the New York Yankees and Anastasia in the Broadway world, very passionate fans, like I said earlier. And, you know, I can only imagine that, especially, you know, once you, when it's your first real go around with it, um, you know, to be able to respond to that at such a young age, you got to give yourself some credit. (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like there are things that I could have done better, but, uh, I'm, I'm definitely proud of the work I did on stage and I'm, I'm proud of our tour overall and, um, very thankful. When you say that there were things that you wish you had done better, what was it? And then, you know, towards the end of the tour or, you know, at least by the time COVID hit, because the tour kind of had an abrupt ending, you know, were were there certain things, you know, at the beginning of your performances that you wish, you know, that you look back on that you can at least say that you feel like you improved on as you went along? I think the biggest takeaway for me was I was so concerned about 
being there every night and like, and this is something I felt like I could, I think I was much better about it at the end of the tour, but at the beginning I had put so much pressure on myself to like, I didn't want to ever miss a show. I didn't, and obviously no one wants these things, but I was like willing to push through things I shouldn't be pushing through just so I could say I wasn't missing shows, things like that. And, um, that's how people hurt themselves. That's how people blow out their voices. And also that's how you hurt the show because ultimately when you're well-rested, fantastic understudy goes on, that's better than me half capacity, you know? Um, and I, I never, there's never been a show where I didn't give 110%. I will say that I, every night tried my best to give 110%. There are definitely some shows where I look back and I wish that I had just taken the day off. Um, because ultimately no matter how hard I tried, it wasn't going to be my best because, and you can't always be your best. And I know that logistically. And I think, but I do think there's like a very strong habit in the Broadway community, particularly where we don't like to miss anything and we don't like to be known as people who miss shows and, and we'll push through anything. Dancers do it. Athletes do it too. I actually think it's not uncommon for athletes to do it, but we're doing our, our athletic work eight times a week, you know, we don't, and it's every week, there's no off days. Um, so looking back, there are times where I wish I had been worked smarter instead of harder. Now, let me ask you, does it make it, you know, we see this in baseball a lot, especially right now at the time that we're recording this, the Yankees are struggling pretty mightily right now. And you have a lot of guys who have been dealing uh, with injuries, but obviously, you know, they want to be out there for their team, for their fans, but overall the team just isn't playing as well. Was there ever a moment in Anastasia where, you know, some of the Twitter trolls would, uh, would go out there or does it not work as much that way in the uh, Broadway touring social media circuit? I think that it's definitely, I'm, I'm not even going to say that I could understand how a Yankee would feel. <laughs> I mean, Yankees are like, you know what I mean? Like they have like millions of people talking about them online. There's, there's definitely not that many people talking about me, but um, I will say there have been some nasty comments about me online and I've had people say mean things about me and tag me in it so that I can see it, which I think is like the funniest thing. I'm like, didn't your mother tell you if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. But then to go and tag me in it is like, oh, come on. Um, you know, people told me once I look like the hunchback of Notre Dame. I was like, that's really nice. <laughs> um, so, you know, whatever. At first it used to get to me, but now I'm like, you know what? It is what it is. Like your opinion is not, I know when I'm doing my best. I know when I give 110% and I know what I worked on with my director. Like that's the other thing is a lot of times I think people don't, realize how many people are involved in the process of setting up a show. And it's just like, if you don't like that choice, that's fine, but you don't need to be a troll about it. It's like not a cute look. Not at all. Is it tough to not clap back? Because you can't. It's, like, it's a lose-lose. It's not tough because I know if I were to clap back, it would just make them go after me more. Um, that's doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't hurt, you know? Um, there I've also had people like say, like, I like 
people who have reviewed the show have said like, I can't sing. And I had never been told that a day in my life before. Um, so that was the first time that I, that had, that had ever happened to me. And I remember I was like, so flabbergasted and upset. And, um, my co my coworker, Ed was like talking me off the ledge. Cause I was like, should I quit the show? And he was like, no, like, cause of one crappy review. He's like, he told me like, you know, every actor, and I'm sure this is the same for every athlete has off days that get reviewed and are out there for the world to see. And he's like, there's not one actor, not one, including Meryl Streep, who's like, you know, the MVP of the acting world is like not one that hasn't had a really, really crappy review. So he's like, you need to just let it go and like not read them and try not to engage. And that's definitely the way to do it because as soon as you engage, you're giving them weight and you're giving them like, any sort of like place in your life. And like, if you're going to be negative, like you don't deserve a place in my life. Like you don't have to like me, but if you go out of your way to let me know you don't like me, then I don't need you in my life. Like I'm not going to bother with that crap, to be honest. <laughs> well, we like you. And I'll tell you another <laughs> thing as well. Uh, yeah, and I think that, and not that you need to hear this, but you know, I think a lot of the folks at home would probably benefit from it. You know, because I think it applies to so many things. You know, it's, I'm going to quote Derek Jeter. <laughs> in baseball, you can fail 70% of the time and make the Hall of Fame. And oh, no yeah. one, and you know what? At the end of the day, and listen, you talk about millions of Yankee fans. Think about over the years, any, you know, the one save a month that Mariano Rivera would blow and how many people would be talking about it in a negative context. To have that thick skin goes such a long way. And I think especially, you know, as live theater comes back and whatnot, I'm sure that those are all experiences, though, that you've drawn on. And I think that the fact that you have such a good head in your shoulders about it is only going to make you stronger because there's a lot of people who can't take that criticism or scrutiny. Ricky Leday comes to mind. Um, late <laughs> 90s Yankee. Uh, and, and one of my favorites at the time. But, you know, he, it broke him. But, yeah, I think, you know, especially for you, being someone who's, um, you've while you've done the work since a young age, you know, ha being fairly new to you know this whole social media era of Broadway, uh, it's only going to serve you really, really well. You know, when when slide theater comes back, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to be looking forward to seeing you. Well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> if not, it's okay. But like, <laughs> I sure do hope so. I just hope live theater comes back soon. I really miss it. So. When it does come back, um, I like to sometimes ask people if they have a dream role or a, a role in their head that they think would work really well on stage. Do you ever stop to think about that? Like, oh, you know, so-and-so's life story would work really well on stage and I'd love to play that, that person. Or is there an existing, something existing out there that you would like to take on that you think you could crush? Ah, I have so many dream roles. <laughs> I like have like this long, long list in my head that I've just been like dying to get my hands on right now. I really, really want to see a revival of parade, but like set in like today, like today times, not like whenever it was set. I don't even know exactly the year. It's some 19. Uh, I'm not even, gonna, I'm not even gonna try to guess. <laughs> There's no point. I don't know why I even thought I could guess it, but it's set in like a time frame where 
you know, segregations around and all these things. And I just think it would be like really cool to see it put into today because I do feel like the topics are very relevant and I would like to play with seal. So that's what I would like. (laughs) How about one of your heroes in the performing world who you would love to like portray on stage? Oh, Celine Dion. I keep saying if Celine, they make a Celine Dion musical, I want to play young Celine Dion. Um, because my family's of French Canadian descent and I still have a lot of French Canadian relatives in uh, Quebec. So I'm just like, I would love to be Celine Dion. I feel like I could bond with her over the fact that we're French Canadian. <laughs> so. All right. You know, uh, one last segment to wrap every show, Lila, and it's called Fastball Derby. I want you to think of yourself in the ninth inning. And don't worry, this is not a, tri- a trivia game of any okay, kind. Okay, you have me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do any more trivia. <laughs> no more trivia. You got it. What we'll do is uh, this is the chance um, for the folks at home to learn a little bit more about you, where we ask you a question. Uh, you say the first thing that comes to your head. So it's kind of like you're a batter in the ninth inning. You have to bring home that winning run, you know, think yes. quick. Okay. I got it. You can handle oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. Favorite New York City meal? Meal? Uh, penny a la vodka. I don't know if that counts. <laughs> you say that with uncertainty. That's a great answer. <laughs> but I don't know if that counts. Like, it's not like That's a, a meal. New York meal. Okay. Penny a la vodka. <laughs> All right. One place that you've yet to travel to, but would love to? Hawaii. Your all-time favorite New York Yankee? Babe Ruth. Wow. <laughs> a little generational why. gap in that answer, but I, I like it. Well, my mom's a Red Sox fan, so I feel like it covers both teams. Oh, boy. Is she going to let you wear that shirt that Katzman brought out to you earlier since it's uh, Yankee colored? She's kind of converted since she's been in New York for so long, but growing up, it was definitely a thing. So I, that's why I picked Babe Ruth, because it's like... Both of them. Please both sides. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Most embarrassing on stage moment. Oh, I fell flat on my face in the big red dress right before I was supposed to kiss Dimitri. How did the audience (laughs) react? They were all pretty shocked because um, my dress slipped down. So I had to like put it back up, Um, but I was on the floor. So I was like kind of rolling around to do it. Um, so they thought that I was like heaving in pain, but I wasn't, I was just indisposed. So that's, that's my most embarrassing (laughs) fall. (laughs) All time favorite night that you've had at the stadium. Um, it would probably be last year at the San Francisco Giants stadium. We sang, take me out to the ball game. It was my birthday. It was with my best friend, Kenny and my friends, Terry and Ed and a bunch of my castmates. And we had really yummy food and that was great. And that stadium's gorgeous. Cause it's like right on the wall. I need to go. I know the Yankees actually played there last year. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to make the trip, but that is definitely, that's a, like one of those, like, uh, ballpark bucket list. Uh, it's a gorgeous park. You absolutely have to go. Okay. How about this one? Favorite late night snack, two show day, you get home, it's after midnight. What's Lila grabbing before she gets the couch? 
It really depends on whether I'm trying to be healthy or not. So if I'm trying to be healthy, it's popcorn, which is not that healthy, but that's the healthy option for me. And then if I really just don't care, I'm going to get a cheeseburger. Had a girl. All right. That's a New York answer. <laughs> that's literally it. <laughs> I have some people that say kale chips or peanuts or that the cheeseburger. You had me at that. Nope. Nope. I like to eat. Um, and quarantine has not been good for me because I went from doing three hours of cardio in a like 40 pound costume to not doing any. So <laughs> I've had to eat a lot better because of that. But if I'm being honest, I had a lot of cheeseburgers and mac and cheese after the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right how about this one one role you auditioned for that you really wanted and didn't get mm, this is a college example but i really wanted to be wendell and spring awakening and i didn't get it <laughs> so maybe one day proudest moment of your career uh when i found out i booked anastasia for sure And lastly, what's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? Mm, I've gotten a lot of good advice, but I think the best advice I ever got was that you're not doing yourself any favors by not being yourself. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. And, um, Lila, this has been great. I really hope you enjoyed uh, coming on Break of Bad. I'm glad that you were able to walk away, you know, with a little birthday gift. I guess we can't really call it a prize, right? No, I didn't win it. <laughs> this is not, I didn't, I don't like, I'm very big on honesty. So I didn't win this, but I got it anyway. <laughs> well, we're glad you did. And, uh, you know, for the folks at home who want to connect with you on social media and, you know, want to follow along in your, you know, your awesome career, where can they find you? Uh, I'm only on Instagram. Uh, it's at Lil Coogs, so L-I-L-C-O-O-G-S, um, and that's really it. So that's a better that's a better nickname than Dandelion Picker, Lil Coogs. Yes, yes. I actually just made it because I it was like right when Instagram started, and I didn't even think like Lil Coogs. I was just like, oh, I'm just gonna put like my first three letters of my name and then my like last like the four first four of my last and just call it a day and then my friends were like did you realize that you made your name lil coogs and i was like no but it it works so i'm gonna keep it <laughs> that's awesome lila love it and uh you know thank you again so much for joining us tonight on break a bat it was real fun i hope you enjoyed it and um you know for the folks at home appreciate you listening tonight uh, this is Al Malafrante signing off for the Broadway Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.